All right, here we go with the news for May 21st, 2020. Got some interesting stuff. Before we get into that, today I was driving around. I had to go to see the chiropractor, who's going to be Dr. Chris, who's hopefully going to be on next week. Or, you know, I'll post it within a couple of weeks. This guy is great. He's fantastic. Anyway, it got me walking again after I was in a lot of pain. Pulled some muscles. And Anyway, we'll get into that later. But um, I noticed a lot of people walking around. I mean, like a lot of people walking around. Uh, things are open up here in Wisconsin, and it was pretty crazy. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen the parks this open before. So, all right. Here we go. Let's get on with the news. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation. Checking cities off his list. Sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes. You've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right, right. here. Here's a big one. Oh, by the way, that was... Jeremiah Craig doing the intro, and of course, Lulu from Cafe Lulu. Uh, you can find Jeremiah Craig stuff over on YouTube. He does a, he's got a thing for boots, kind of a weird thing for boots. And as for Lulu, well, she's more of an independent artist, and you never know what you're going to get, but it's usually pretty good stuff. So just Google uh, Cafe, or uh, not Cafe Lulu, uh, Lulu Island, and you'll find her stuff. It's, it's well worth listening to. I listen to it all the time. When, especially when I'm over the road. Uh, her independent songs are, you know, you never know where she's going to go, and, and that's what I like. So uh, here we go. The final ruling feature for the four key changes in the new existing hours of service requirements. Keep in mind, these things will not go into effect for quite a while, you know, it'll about later on this year at the very least. Now, the agent, here's the four things. Number one, the agency will increase safety and flexibility for the 30-minute rule break by requiring a break after eight hours of consecutive driving and allowing the break to be satisfied by a driver using on-duty, not driving status rather than off-duty status. So you can go on-duty or off-duty. And that's, you gotta take the 30 minutes before you hit the eight hour mark, not after. So they were worried this wrong. All right, the agency will modify the sleeper berth exemption to allow drivers to split their required 10 hours off-duty into two periods, an 8-2 split or a 7-3 split with neither period counting against the driver's 14-hour driving window. That's something I really don't have to worry about. I'm a sleeper guy. I just do 12 on, 12 off, take a break, uh, start at the same time, go to bed at the same time. It's the best way for me. I find regularity in my hours is uh, the best. Otherwise, I'm, you know, if I'm going around the clock, it drives me crazy. So as for me, that's not going to do anything for me. But hopefully for, you know, the single minute, it'll, uh, it'll help them out quite a bit. Okay, the agency will modify the adverse driving conditions exemption by extending by two hours the maximum window during which driving is permitted. So if you get into bad weather, bad storm, you know, you can go a little bit past your hours and uh, just make sure you note it. And uh, I try to stay away from that stuff because it's hard to, you know, it's just easier to not do it. 
All right. And then the last one is the agency will change the short haul exemption available to certain motion uh, commercial carriers by lengthening the driver's maximum on duty time from 12 to 14 hours and extending the distance limit with which each driver may operate from 100 air miles to 150 air miles. So if you're a local guy, you can now go 150 miles instead of just 100 miles. So it's a big deal. Uh, these little changes, they add up to a lot. Um, what's going to happen with it? Who knows? But it's going to be a while before we see it. So, uh, you know, there'll be some more debate and we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, it looks like Elaine Chow put up a, a statement on the hours of service. You know, she's the U.S. Secretary uh, Transportation, Elaine Chow. I'm going to go ahead and just drop that audio in here. You can go listen to it. It's about a minute or so long. Um, you know, once again, the people who run the Department of Transportation are not drivers. You know, the, the people who run the FAA, those are pilots. But drivers, well, we don't get that. In fact, nobody in the Department of Transportation, the FMCSA, not one single person is a transportation worker. Not one single person running this. And I think that's where a lot of our problems come in. But I'm just going to go ahead and drop her words right in here and you can listen to it. So here we go. The U.S. Department of Transportation has announced an important modification to the hours of service rules that will increase safety and flexibility for America's truckers and other commercial vehicle drivers. During these challenging times, we've heard a lot from truckers and the safety community. Their concerns have been paramount, and we have acted. These new common sense rules give truckers more options when planning their days. They will help drivers reach their destination safely without feeling like they've got to race against the clock to comply with federal mandates. They will also help truckers get the rest they need when they need it. When safety rules make sense, drivers are better able to comply and that benefits everyone. This action will result in $270 million in regulatory savings for the trucking industry. This will help our economy recover and create more jobs. This is one more example of how much this administration values America's truckers. We stand with you, working together. We can improve safety and strengthen our country's economy. Thank you for keeping America moving. All right, here's one I think is hilarious. Uh, President Trump last Friday at a news conference and a bunch of drivers were protesting and they were honking horns like crazy during his conference. I want to go ahead and play the clip from his uh, speech. He, uh, I must admit he turned it around pretty good and uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big Trump guy, but uh, I like the way he spun this. So here we go. It was in sad shape. It was depleted. We now have the strongest military the United States has ever had by far and the best equipment. And you hear that outside, that beautiful sound. Those are truckers that are with us all the way. They're protesting in favor of President Trump as opposed to against. There's hundreds of trucks out there. And uh, that's the sign of love, not the sign of your typical protest. So I want to thank our great truckers. They like me and I like them. We're working on something together. 
Yeah, what you heard there was a bunch of truckers protesting, and you heard their horns as he was giving his speech in front of the White House. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I must admit, he he continued on. He didn't he didn't you know lose he didn't lose step like I just did. They're fumbling for words. So you know, I'm not a big political guy, but I you know I like the you know he marched on. I'll give him that. Now, just. I don't know. <laughs> we got ways to go. All right, let's see what happens. That's next. All right, just uh, another example of the changing times. The Iowa 80 truck jamboree, the one held at the Iowa 80 truck stop, the world's largest truck stop, has been canceled. They've moved it into a virtual arena. Apparently, they're going to do uh, truck shows, and I don't know what's going to happen there, but you know they they get over forty thousand attendees. It's it's the one that I go to. I try to go to every couple of years at least. It's right there in Iowa on eighty, and I go by there all the time, uh, at least twice a week. I go by that place, and I just I, I love the place. It's nice. It's big. It's clean. Uh, they have a dog wash. Okay, they have a truck wash. They have a dog wash. They have a truck museum. The truck museum. If you want to see the truck museum. Go to uh, uh, Tracking with Kingfish on YouTube, and there's a couple of videos on there of their truck museum. It's just absolutely fabulous. Yeah, they do a wonderful job there. Well, that being said, the event's been canceled. It's going to be some virtual thing now, and I'm sure it won't be nearly as satisfying, and hopefully everything will be, you know, in 2021, we'll be back up. Now, it says here, event organizers say that professional CDL drivers can still receive a free meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen Restaurant uh, July 9th through the 11th. So the meal certificates will be available during those three days at the fuel center, the service center, the truck mat truck wash, and the super truck showroom. So just go there and, and uh, you'll get your free meal. Now, that being said, I, I have a disclaimer to put up here on the Highway 80. Uh, let's see, I was there with Southpaw probably 2017, 2018, and I won second place in the strongman competition, which drove Southpaw crazy because he, he's a you know big workout kind of guy, and I'm not... You had to pull this truck up this hill, this old antique truck. And I got second place. Of course, I almost passed out when I was done. And I almost got a free ride to the hospital. That's what you win. But it was a pretty neat experience. So the Iowa 80, they always do a good job. And they're always really nice people there. So, all right, let's get moving on. Oh, and uh, let's see. So Mass was canceled. Gats was canceled. That's a mid-American truck show. The Great American Truck Show, the one in Dallas, the one in Louisville, and now this one. Those are the three biggies that I can think of. Uh, now there's another one in Vegas. I'm not sure when that is, like June, July, something like that. They'll probably cancel that one too. So just 2020 is just the year we want to put behind us. All right. And speaking of that, let's put this segment. All right. The bloodbath continues. All right. The... You know, the bankruptcies, I'm not a real big fan of these bankruptcies, but I'm going to report them anyway. Uh, Comcar announced the Sunday that it would sell off all five of its national transportation companies. Comcar is a holding company for a bunch of trucking companies. In its Chapter 11 filing, Comcar managed said, management said that it will conduct daily business activities as usual until the firm shutters and that they will manage to sell off process with supervision by the bankruptcy court. So they're not doing what Celadon did, where they just shut down and then they sell. They're they're selling everything off, for, you know, without hopefully too many people won't lose their jobs. And it says if the way they're doing it, it should relieve Comcar's employees, which number more than two thousand of those workers. Federal data says nine hundred and forty nine are truck drivers. 
so it says here, Comcar appears to be designing its bankruptcy and sell-off proceedings to bypass the chaos that sometimes arises during a trucking bankruptcy. In those situations, firms will suddenly shutter. Truck drivers will then find themselves suddenly jobless and potentially saddled with giant trucks. Well, yeah, what are you going to do with the thing? How do you get home? You're stuck. At least they're not doing that. You know, like the sell it on date or... Uh, oh, gosh, there was a bunch of them in the past. I can't think of what they are. So, even though they're selling off, some people are probably going to lose their jobs. But here are the five businesses. CT Transportation, 390 drivers being sold to PS Logistics. So, that's a deal that's been done. CTL Transportation, 204 truck drivers being sold to Service Transport. MCT Transportation, 225 truck drivers being sold to White Willings Holdings. CCC, 130 truck drivers. Buyer not disclosed and CTTS repair. No truck drivers, buyers not disclosed. So they had a repair business. Um, you know, I don't, it's just, who knows? You know, is it the virus? Is it bad management? Is it whatever? I don't know, but at least these guys are trying to do the right thing. At least that's what it seems like. So good luck to you guys. Hopefully you'll keep your jobs and, or you'll find something better. So bankruptcies, there we go. All right, let's move on. Now, here's something kind of interesting. Uh, doesn't help the American drivers, but uh, the Canadians up there, and uh, we should follow their lead. Truck drivers get free coffee at on route every Wednesday. So it's a, an establishment up there in Ontario, Canada. Uh, on route will be offering free medium coffee or other beverage to truck drivers every Wednesday between May 20th and Canada Day, which is July 1st, at all of their locations as part of their Keep On Trucking initiative. All right, good for you, Unroute. We uh, we like that. Uh, we're not up in Canada, but we know a lot of people that are, and, well, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Who doesn't love a free cup? Is it, you know, but I got to tell you, it's the Tim Hortons coffee, that's what, that's what I think of Canada. That's what I think of Tim Hortons coffee. All right, let's get moving on. All right, you know, just people, people are crazy. All right, Maurice Fain. A former reality television personality and owner of Flame Trucking has been indicted for allegedly using money from the payroll or the Paycheck Protection Program for personal use, including diamond jewelry and a Rolls Royce. The dude took the money and he bought a Rolls Royce. You know, it's like, no, that's to keep your business alive, not for you to buy a Rolls Royce. So anyway, on Tuesday, May 12th, the U.S. government filed a criminal complaint against Maurice Flane in U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. Fane, also known as Arkansas Moe in the reality show called Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, is accused of fraudulently using funds he acquired from the Paycheck Protection Program for a company he owns called Flame Trucking. You know, I, I don't know anything about, um, uh, I never heard of a reality show called Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, but... If anybody has, you know, let me know. Anyway, upon finding out the amount exceeded the amount, uh, the maximum allowed. Okay, Fane was initially granted a PP, uh, 3P loan for uh, $3.7 million on April 22nd. Upon finding out the amount exceeded the amount allowed, the bank recovered a portion of the amount, reducing the total loan to just over $2 million. So I guess they gave him too much. Uh, court documents reveal that on April 23rd, Fane used Flames Trucking 3P loan funds for three wire transfers. 30000 to DJ. That's a lot of money for 30000 to DJ? 50000 to MS and 350000 to CW. The two lower amounts were payments on other uh, loans. 
Oh, I thought it was to, to do a DJ. I don't know. It just says, okay, it says, it was later discovered that Fane was in the God Brother OC. Okay, Fane was the God Brother OCW, who was not a flame trucking employee. She later told investigators that the, oh, it's a woman. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. I thought it was a male. She later told investigators that the 350000 was dispersed according to Fane's directions. Investigators found CW's bank records show an $84,000 wire transfer to a jewelry store in Duluth, Georgia for investment. Another wire transfer for 40000 was sent to a woman in Alexandria, Arkansas for child support completion. Oh, I guess it is a woman. Ah, Maurice. I don't know. I'm getting confused. I should have did more research before I started reading this. Anyway... Information from the jewelry store obtained by investigators show that Fane had paid more than 85000 including the 84000 wire transfer, for three pieces of jewelry, one custom-made 18-carat Rolex presidential watch with diamonds, $52,000. Wow, that's a lot of money for a watch. One 10-carat custom-made Cuban bracelet with 34 carats of diamonds, $24,500. And one 14-carat custom-made ring. With 5.73 carats of diamonds, $3,050. Wow. Supporting his claim of nearly 1.5 million monthly payroll, Fane emailed the United uh, Community Bank statements from October to December for Flame Trucking account at Arvest Bank. However, Arvest told investigators that Flame Trucking account was closed in September. Arvest Bank identified the documents as not genuine, according to complaint. Wow. Somebody going to jail. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a dude. Here's his picture. Yeah, I'll try to do more research when I do these things. Oh, my God. On May 6th, uh, Fane told federal agents he used the 3P funds for payroll and other business expenses. He denied using the money for personal debt and expenses. However, when agents seized the jewelry while executing a search and seizure warrant, Fane admitted to buying the jewelry with 3P loan funds. Court documents claim Fane told agents that he had a right to use the funds for other business purposes and for working capital. According to the complaint, he said he believes the jewelry would increase in value because he would be wearing it, which would make it more valuable. Wow. Because he's wearing it, he thinks it would become more valuable. I had never heard of this guy. Maybe he's a... I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. Not a hip-hop guy. Maybe that has something to do with it. During the search, agents also found a bag carrying 70000 uh Fane claimed to cash was his personal money. Wow, I wish I had 70000 for personal money, according to court documents. Additionally, agents discovered more than 9000 in cash in the pockets of clothes Fane was wearing at the time. Who needs to walk around with $9,000 in their pockets? That's insane. Lastly, agents found a 2019 Rolls-Royce Wraith in Fane's garage. The car valued at, near, at nearly 400000 still had a temporary dealer tag. When asked if he used P, uh, 3P funds to purchase a vehicle... Fane said, kind of, sort of, not really. Kind of, sort of, not really? What kind of answer is that? So anyway, they're going to do the investigation on this guy, and that's insane. Uh, that's insane. That is insane. So apparently, supposedly, flame trucking is still in business. Uh, I don't know. That's bizarre. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than what I'm reading in this news article, but uh, just whatever you know don't use your stimulus money for your business for your personal gain use it to keep your business going that's what it's for if you use it for anything else you will go to jail all right let's get moving on 
All right, that's all we have for trucking news. You know, just stay safe out there, drivers. Well, let's get on with some other interesting stuff, you know, in the transportation industry. All right, here we go. This one's a trip, and my wife recorded this for me, and I absolutely love it. Down at the Mecham Mosh in, in Kissimmee, Florida. I may be saying that wrong. Anyway, Robert Kerman, who's owned the Steve McQueen Bullet Mustang. His family owned it for like 40-something years. It was their daily driver, okay? I mean, you actually could probably sell this thing outside a grocery store down there. It's pretty beat up. It looks weathered. It's it's very iconic. It's very, well, it's just got the right look. Anyway, his uh, father bought it from someone for $3,500 back in 1974 from an ad in Road and Track magazine. Wow, what a, you know, what a bump. Anyway, this thing just sold at auction for $3,400,000. $3,400,000. That's amazing. I'll try to put that photo up in the in the show. But anyway, what a bump. 3500 to 3400000 You know, and the buyers, it's undisclosed. Who's got that kind of money? But, you know, gosh, wouldn't it just be awesome to drive that thing once? Just to get behind a wheel and, you know, they know that, you know, Steve McQueen, the ultimate guy's guy, you know, the ultimate man's man drove this thing and then you could drive it too. You know, if you ever get a chance, watch Bullet. You know, the movie's a little slow by today's standards, but the the iconic car chase is just amazing. And the nice thing about it is, you know, they used two real cars. They used uh, real city streets. It wasn't filmed on a back lot. And it's just a hell of a car chase. It's a pretty realistic car chase, I would, I would guess, if you want to call it realistic. But it was just, uh, you know, there's a few scenes. There's one scene where he goes around a corner, and he's just got to, you know, he overshoots the corner and he has to back up a little bit. It's like, okay, this is working out all right. But anyway, it's a, you know, it's just a great car chase. One of the best ever filmed. So if you get a chance, go see the movie Bullet. Probably you can find it on YouTube, that clip of the race. Or the, you know, where they're chasing, the, the chase scene, I guess. But uh, apparently they used two cars. The one's down in Mexico somewhere. And then this one up here. And, uh, God, just, uh, you know, when they started it up, and here's the funny part. This is hilarious. The auctioneer, because he wanted to start it off at $3,500, because that's what his dad paid for it. So they started the bidding at 3500 and everybody raised their hand. Everybody. And hopefully it's just sort of busting out laughing, because, the, you know, I mean, it was just phenomenal, the amount of people that were there. It was it was amazing. The car's a rock star. And it's a Mustang. It's the highest sold Mustang ever sold. The highest price ever paid for a Mustang ever. $3,400,000 in auction. Whew. Wow. And she said, beautiful. I'd love to drive it. All right, let's get moving on. All right, here's one that's kind of interesting. Unusual smells can be a problem with your car. The Car Care Council recommends a sniff test to your vehicle to identify any unusual smells, including the following six warning signs. The smell of burnt rubber could be slipping dry belts or misplaced loose hoses that might be rubbing against rotating driver uh, dry pulleys. Do not reach in if the engine compartment is hot. Yeah, that is a bad idea. The smell of hot oil could mean that the oil is leaking on the exhaust system. To verify the leak, look for oil on the pavement or smoke coming from the engine area. Number three, the smell of gasoline is likely the sign of a gas leak. Yeah, it very well could be. And it could be a, a fire hazard. I'm glad they pointed that out. 
Number four, the sweet smell of syrup may be a sign that your car is leaking engine coolant from a leaking component related to the car's cooling system. Do not open the radiator cap when it is hot. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, people used to open the radiator caps when cars were hot. You see people a lot, you know, you see the water boiling out and exploding. And you don't really see that kind of stuff anymore. You know, little, things are made a lot better, but... You know, people would always start these things, and they'd open up the the radiator cap, and it'd just come flying out. I'd never forget that. Uh, okay, syrup. I never thought of coolant as smelling like syrup. All right, number five. The smell of burnt carpet can be a sign of brake trouble and a safety hazard. Have your brakes checked right away, especially if it smells. All right, six. The smell of rotten eggs is never a good one. And if you smell it coming from your vehicle, it can mean a problem with your catalytic converter, not converting the hydrogen sulfate in the exhaust to sulfur dioxide properly. This smell can also be attributed to a poor running engine, causing the catalytic converter to become overloaded and fail due to, due to meltdown. When you smell any particular odor, you should not ignore it. Instead, bring your vehicle to a professional service technician. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, take it in, get it checked out. All right. So that's from the Car Care Council. They just posted that. Those are the things. All right. So get your cars checked out. Don't smell like rotten eggs going down the highway. None of us need that. All right. Now, if you're looking for a new vehicle, uh, Edmunds put this out. Uh, car shoppers can expect bigger discounts than usual this Memorial Day weekend, according to Edmunds. So they're saying that, you know, because of the coronavirus, you know, things might be a little cheaper. So here's their tips. Do your research online. You know, go to car reviews. Go to True Car. I use True Car myself. Uh, establish your budget and shop around for financing. Let, you know, know how much you got to spend. You know, maybe go to your credit union or bank and get, you know, get your loan approved. That way you don't have to deal with those guys. And you'll get out of there a lot faster. Ugh, dealing with the finance guys are a real pain in the ass. Get your uh, trade-in appraised. If you have a trade-in, get it appraised. You know, get it checked out. You can go online and get it done. Um, you know, you're probably best not even getting it online. You know, if you have a kid, they can give the kid your car and move on. They're always going to get you on the trade-in. Get price quotes from different uh, dealerships. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Request a contactless test drive. What's that? Call, text, or email the dealership to ask if they're offering a contactless test drive. Many are, willing, many are willing to drive vehicles to local shoppers' homes for test drives while following social distancing measures, such as wearing masks and sanitizing the vehicle fully before and after test drives. Well, okay. Yeah, ask them to clean the car, basically. Uh, and then see what paperwork can be completed online or whether home delivery is an option. Well, I don't know. I want to go to the dealership when I do it. You know, the truth is, when it comes to buying a car, it's a real pain in the ass. And I really don't want anything to do with it. And why is that? Because the the, the experience is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. You know, you're going to be there all day. You're going to fight. I just, you know, it's, it's just something I don't like to deal with. So, you know, I would truly would just rather to have nothing to do with it. But, you know, what are you going to do? All right, let's get moving on. We're still in the car news section, so just a couple more. Well, this one's kind of eerie. Eerie because it was so quiet. Usually records like this that I'm out to answer, you know, they're broken very loudly and very insanely. So here's what it is. History has been made at Tucson Dragway with this lightning-fast, insanely quiet drag car. 
while electric cars have been making their mark in the automotive world for a few years now, this is the first drag car to hit this record. Steve Huff became the first four-wheel electric dragster racer to record a 200-mile-an-hour pass in just 7.2 seconds, 7.52 seconds, sorry, beating his childhood hero and rival Big Daddy Don Garlitz to the mark. The car puts out approximately 2,400 horsepower and 2,000 pounds of torque while weighing in at 2,010 pounds. While all the numbers are impressive, it's the silence that's most shocking. Compared to its notoriously loud counterparts, the giant monster is amazing to watch. Well, you know, I kind of like the loudness myself. Uh, the electric drag racing milestone was achieved on Huff's second full pass after doubling the power of his electric car over the winter and getting some help from the uh, from the racers. You know, this is just amazing. You know, 201 miles an hour and 7.52 pass. That's just phenomenal. And I was watching a video of it, and it was just like, it's just so quiet. It's eerie. You can hear the tire squeal a little bit, but that's about it. Ugh. I don't know. It'll take. It'll it'll change the whole look of the drag race. That's what it's gonna do. Oh, so silly. All right, let's move on. All right, here's something unique. And I'm not. I gotta check this out. But uh, ESPN two is of all places broadcasting a virtual race. It's gonna have Mario Andretti. He's gonna be. He's gonna basically race in a video game, basically. So they're gonna go to Indianapolis. Well, they're not going to Indianapolis. I guess they're just gonna race it. That's the venue. It's gonna be actually no cars, but they're gonna they're gonna race. It's gonna be on ESPN, and it's gonna be pretty amazing. They're they're having some of the biggest racers in the world event, and uh, you know it's just Mario Andretti, huh? Wow, nice. That's gonna be interesting. You know, I mean it's the racing names on here. A lot of these guys I don't know, but you know they're the big names in the race, and I'm definitely it's so it's. Um, uh, May 23rd, okay. And uh, let's see. Where are we at? Okay. Some of the biggest names in motorsports, including star drivers, will have a 12 in who will have 12 Indianapolis 500 wins between them are set to race virtually at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Saturday, May 23rd. So I'm going to have to record that. That's going to be interesting to watch. So anyway, if you're into racing and you're a little behind on your, you know, what's going on, you know, you're racing, you need your fix, go check out a virtual race. Uh, I've never seen one, so I'm having a hard time talking about it, but it should be interesting. All right, let's go over to Maritime because, uh, well, that's transportation, right? This is kind of interesting. This caught my eye. A response to the ruling by the RMS Titanic Incorporated in the recovery mission to save the Marconi Wireless Telegraph. So here's what they want to do. They want to go down to the Titanic. They want to recover the wireless telegraph. It was one of the first of its kind in Marconi. Marconi Marconi Company is one of the most famous companies in the world, you know, as far as communication goes. And they want to recover this thing for prosperity, I guess. Um, you know, the first SOS ever sent was sent by the Titanic and the wireless receiver on the Titanic there, you know, is, is amazing. You know, the, the Marconi wireless telegraph. So if they recover this and put it in a museum, it's, I think that's just going to be amazing. So if we hear anything more about this, we'll keep up. Uh, I imagine it's going to be a while before we hear anything about this, but I think that's pretty exciting. So 
Who knows what else, what else they'll bring back. But they had to get a court order to allow this to happen. Because, well, you know, it's a pretty big deal. All right, let's get moving on. All right, now we're going to segue into another historic vessel, the USS Nevada, located by Search and Ocean Infinity. All right, the USS Nevada was there at Bikini McCall. You know, this this is amazing history. The USS Nevada had an extraordinary service spanning three and a half decades. She was launched in 1914, performed escort duties for valuable convoys, headed to the British Isles. At the end of World War I, she escorted the ocean liner George Washington, carrying U.S. President Woodrow Wilson, to attend the Paris Peace Conference. In World War II, on July 7, 1941, in the attack on Pearl Harbor, USS Nevada was the only battleship to get underway, but having been struck by five bombs, finally sank in the nearby shallow waters. During this action, 60 of her crew were killed and 109 were wounded. Following salvage operations, she soon, she, she soon rejoined the war effort. Oh, i got to work on those, some of those words. Sailing to the United Kingdom to take part in the D-Day landings, amongst other European operations. She then sailed to the Pacific, arriving off of Iwo Jima in February 1945 and played an important part in the invasion of Okinawa. After World War II, USS Nevada was assigned to be a target ship in the first Bikini Atomic Experiments in 1946, which she survived. Finally, in 1948, she was used as a gunnery practice target, unable to be sunk by the ships using her as a target. She finally went down, having been hit by an aerial torpedo on July, aerial, aerial torpedo on July 31st, 1948. So basically, I mean, think about this thing. She went into service in 1914, served in World War I, survived world war ii okay you know i mean that's how badass this battleship was they had her off of the bikini atoll you know to, for testing for the atomic bomb she survived being nuked basically you know being hit by you know the the repercussions of an atomic bomb she survived that and then she you know then they couldn't sink her when she was used as a gunnery target practice and they finally got her you know, in uh, with an aerial bomb, which is just amazing. You know, I mean, they, they talk about it's like this thing just was. She just didn't want to go down. You know, it's just amazing. So anyway, uh, what it comes down to is she was found uh, 65 nautical miles southwest of Pearl Harbor, at a depth of 15,400 feet. And the discovery is a result of a successful collaboration between Search and Ocean Infinity and marks the combination of Search's leading maritime archaeological expertise. Basically, what it comes down to is uh, they found the USS Nevada. And uh, who knows what will happen. You know, just an amazing ship. Anyway, that's all I got for today. It's time to end the show. Uh, not too much. Things are going good. Uh, had a crazy week. Uh, went from Chicago to California, uh, Bloomington, California, California to Denver, Denver to Des Moines, Des Moines to Chicago, Chicago to Chicago, or to Denver, Denver to Omaha, Omaha back to um, Chicago. Probably about 6,500 miles for the week and a lot of clock time. Very, oh, very long week. Didn't get home till Tuesday night. Usually get home Tuesday morning. So that's what's going on here, and I hope everybody stays safe, and I will talk to you next week, and hopefully we'll get Dr. Chris on, and we'll get 
you know, we're kind of getting Patrick back that we did the COVID virus thing. The episode that was kind of, I like Patrick. He was a easy one to bounce off of. And hopefully we'll get Lulu back on here too. So anyway, that's what's going on. I'll talk to you later. Kingfish out.